Welcome to Factor Magri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Working with the Rural Support Trust, each week I talk with farmers, industry professionals and policymakers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters that are relevant to both our farming and our urban communities. Taking a look at the current state of play in the lamb and beef markets, we can see that lamb prices at the farm gate are holding reasonably well. International markets and our currency have stabilised recently, which is providing farmers near $6.50 per kilogram carcass weight on lamb. Many regions are seeing better than average pasture growth, and with softer supply coming online, we may not see significant downside in the autumn. Demand for New Zealand beef remains strong, and particularly into China. Australia are focusing on rebuilding their herd currently off the back of fires and drought last year, which reduced herd numbers dramatically. This is helping to support our market here. A prime traditional beef steer on the hook is returning the farmer around $4.95 per kilogram in the north and $4.90 per kilogram in the south. Now this week I'm talking with farmer and rural wellbeing advocate Sarah Donaldson. Sarah is deeply involved in many aspects of the Wairarapa farming community. Let's check in with her now. Hello Sarah, thank you for making the time today. No, thanks for having me Angus. Can you tell me a bit about yourself, where you live, and your farm? Uh, so I am living in South Wairapa. I live on a sheep and beef farm that's about 20 kilometres uh, from Martinborough and similar to Carterton um, in the beautiful Longbush Valley. Um, had, had a change in circumstances in the last couple of years, so uh, no longer on my own farm, but I'm now uh, still living on a farm property, on a sheep and beef farm, and um, still kind of still enjoy a lot of the lifestyle and, and help out on some of the local farms from time to time. I understand um, you're also a clinical psychologist who specialises in rural health and wellbeing in New Zealand. Is that right? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't... To be fair, often don't advertise that to farmers because sometimes it can sound a bit off-putting. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's become one of my passions, I guess, because I have lived rurally for a long time now and to see some of the challenges out there. So it made sense to work more in that space. And increasingly I have um, over the years. So that's really in two capacities. One is I'm a wellness coordinator for the East Coast Rural Support Trust. And then I also have a private health and well-being um, business as well so yeah a fair bit of time I'm out and about seeing people on farms um, when they're facing some kind of challenge or adversity really and then I also do a bit of training and advocacy and all sorts in, in, in the wider sense in the rural industry as well. How's the summer tracking in terms of weather and in particular water levels in the wire up this year? We've had a, a pretty good spring a pretty good summer really compared, compared to last year um, so uh, it has started to get drier, but that's fairly typical of the Wairapa. Um, but we just got a big dump just a few days ago, which was uh, very timely for people mm. and for our water levels. So um, a little bit more challenging further up as you get towards Tararua. Um, certainly some more water issues and challenges um, that go on on that neck of, neck of the woods. So, um, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag, but um, not too bad overall. Well, that's good to hear. Now, there are many stresses on farmers. Have farmers historically been raised to bury emotion, work hard and just get on with it? Um, I don't know if we can completely generalise like that because there's lots of people that 
that's not necessarily the case. But yep, there's a there's an element of truth in that. I think um, in terms of uh, I think farmers have had a really strong work ethic and seen that as part of their identity and their you know um, performance and things on farm being related to that. So um, yep. Yep, sometimes that can mean just pushing things down and trucking on, for sure. Mm. Of course, farmers are people just like anyone else in reality. Everyone has stresses in their lives at some point or another. Is there a recurring theme or particular challenge that farmers are facing right now? My immediate thought is there will be common themes such as drought and farm gate returns, but there will be individual challenges with financial pressures and relationship challenges, for example. Yeah, for sure. And I guess we see the full array of that, you know, when we know that there's more generally adverse or stressful conditions, that that, that typically can up the ante or be a, the last thing in the pot, so to speak, um, if we do have a drought or something. But and at the moment, obviously, we've got lots of environmental and regulation change that's coming thick and fast at people. So we are conscious that that's going to put a lot of pressure on uh, on people in times to come. Um but that said, yeah, oftentimes it's it's individual factors that are going on for someone that brings things to a head, or um, they may get a little bit more overloaded, and and um, things like relationship challenges, uh, you know, yeah, they're common mm. for sure. And you've touched on environmental challenges and and certainly changes over the past twelve months. We have seen significant pressure being applied from Wellington on farmers. The government have singled further pressure and changes as well. How are you, and indeed farmers you talk to, responding to those changes and direction and policy? Uh, I think there's a mixed bag out there, really. I think, you know, um, some are taking it, you know, as an extension of what they're already doing and and sort of just chunking it in a way to make it as manageable as they can. Um, but, yeah, for, certainly, for sure, it's going to mean some big changes um, for certain sectors and... and um, you know, there is some resistance to that because it, it is going to create some real um, challenges and financial pressure for some people. So, and there are others that will just um, probably put it on hold or bury their heads for it until it becomes forced on them. So that you always find there's a continuum, I guess, of on on that spectrum. But um, yeah, we're just mindful that it's hard for people with too much change at one go, and so pacing change is really important so that it doesn't become overloading for people um, and people have to work out what's going to be viable for them as well and if it's not viable to continue then what does that mean and and needing time to to weigh up that so we've certainly been giving messages about that in the last year to, to government around you know changes needing to be paced so that people don't get overwhelmed or um, you know and can work through and, and that can be worked through practically so that it is achievable and it's not um, not out of the scope of people to undertake some kind of change that's going to be helpful for everybody. So are some of the farmers' concerns literally around all these changes are going to put too much cost on my farming business and I might simply not be able to continue to operate? Yeah, I think that will be a potentially um, one scenario for, for some people for sure. Mm. Yeah. And what about in the area of staff management? Are you helping farmers in this area? Managing people is a significant job all on its own, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and, and the answer is yes, we do do that. We're doing a fair bit of that at the moment, but both sides really, partly for the employee and also for the for the owner or the, or the staff management about you know what needs to happen for, for it to be okay for both parties. 
So, yeah, we certainly act in that role for support and, and a bit of mediation from time to time. Um, and we're also looking at, well, in our area and some other areas, just more training, I guess, that we um, that we can do with um, farm owners and managers and their staff in order to give them some more skills about how, how they can continue to be sustainable and have a, a healthy environment and culture uh, moving forward. So, yep, one section. Yeah. One area of farming that for many is a challenge and handled poorly in many occasions, not all, um, it is succession. We see it tear families apart. Many of the challenges for succession is people burying heads in the sand or not having conversations early and implementing a plan. And of course, the stress around this is immense. In your work, how are you helping farming families navigate these waters? Yep, that's one that definitely crops up um, and can, as you said, it can cause huge havoc um, at times and estrangement, which is, um, and selling of farms on occasion. So, yep, it's it's pretty massive if we don't get it right. Um, I think we're sort of the current generation sometimes are getting caught, the, you know, the, the two generations, if you like. Um, I think going forward, it's going to be better because we have learned that these, like as you said, these things need to probably be sorted out earlier so that there's no, a lot of times it's when assumptions are made, but they're not necessarily voiced. And then when things come to a head, if people have different assumptions and expectations, then it just can get really tricky. So um, definitely we're trying to, we try and help people with open communication about what expectations are and what's that going to look like and, and, um, Getting some, getting some of those things laid on the table because often they're just not said, particularly if it's a culture in the family where we sort of don't talk about things and then those kind of issues have a lot of emotion attached to them and then if, if, if that's again foreign to family culture then it, yeah, it, it gets easy for things to, to really melt down. So um, yeah, it's about helping facilitate those conversations, get things down, um, onto the table and then I think too a part of our role becomes can we can we pull other people into the mix to help navigate that so I certainly work alongside um, some farm consultants and advisors that specialise in that area um, where we might jointly do some work with a family around what does this look like what are the options um, how can how can how can we get on the same page really mm. yeah do you think these two generations that we're talking about now that the retiring farmer today and whoever is part of the succession process this could actually be a turning point in terms of how successions are carried out moving forward yeah i think so i think not just for farmers but i think perhaps also for rural professionals who work in that space that they're probably mm. more likely to be encouraging their clients to be having those conversations early to be planning planning those things because they have seen when it they have seen how it can work really well and they've also seen how it can work not work at all um so and and if you've yeah certainly knowing right from the get-go what is this going to look like down track and so that everybody's on the same page is huge and I think people are learning definitely learning from that so I, I do see going forward that that's hopefully going to there's hopefully going to be less conflict about that um in times to come that's my hope anyway. Yeah. As well as mental well-being, indeed fatigue and physical well-being is relevant as well. There are many aging senior farmers out there and for many reasons are still farming. How are our senior farmers coping in this area, do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a pretty physically demanding role yeah. for 
over time. So yeah, there is the those physical conditioning and the wear and tear that that goes on. Um, certainly, I think for for me, a massive role that well, a massive issue that I see would be the largest proportion of what I see is burnout. Yeah. Um, and I guess um, that's where that big overlap between physical and emotional well-being comes in because it might be that someone has just physically been going too hard for too long and then they hit the wall and when they hit the wall it's not just physical kind of worn out but it plays out in our brain and emotionally as well so mm. um, I'm pretty passionate about getting messages out there about having regular recovery and things because that fatigue and and burnout are, are common issues I guess and yeah some of our senior um, farmers out there um they have been able to go and go, and then and then sometimes, even, or sometimes even when they step down a little bit, that's when they can hit the wall a little bit because their body goes, oh, finally, you know. Um, mm, yeah. So, um, but the, the the flip side of that too, Angus, I think, is that there used to be a mentality that you you know you worked really hard, and then you retired and really took it easy. But we actually know that people still having a role and feeling like they can contribute and add value is really important to your emotional well-being. So. For, for a lot of people, that doesn't mean retiring off the farm. That might just be taking a different role or stepping back in some way or or moving on to a smaller block, gradually moving down and developing other areas of interest alongside the farm. Um, so it's, you know, it's, and it's how you navigate that if there's another generation coming along in terms of roles. Mm. And, and that relates to your last point about succession. Part of that becomes communication about who's going to do what and who's going to be in charge of what and how do we manage that transition well so that relationships stay intact. But, yeah, often um, often actually that, that can be a good thing for, for some people. But, yeah, for others, it's they're ready for to, take, to, to tune it down a bit and, and develop and it's really important that a bigger message I'd say for our older crew out there is, you know, like if you've thrown yourself completely into the farm, you need to have other interests before you're looking back from stepping back from the farm so that you um, so that you don't go flat, really, because you still mm. need to, you know, be involved yep. in other things and feel like you've got a reason to get up in the morning. Yeah, so they can pick up those interests that they have developed whilst considering retiring or going through a succession process or stepping back from the farm a bit yeah that makes sense yeah yeah ideally because then that helps you transition into because mm. i see retired farmers sometimes and they don't know what to do with themselves they don't yeah. know because they've never given themselves permission to have that time away from the farm and so it becomes more challenging so if you can just wriggle it in in in, in, in smaller amounts while you are still working one it keeps you going better mm. um but also then you've got room to grow more of those things once you do have more time um, mm. later on mm. and just on that what are four things farmers can do to improve their well-being on a weekly basis uh number one would be make sure they've got enough recovery time in their day and and week and across the board honestly um uh, that's probably number one and, and that recovery can be small breaks during the day. I mean, Sam Whitelock, our Farmstrong ambassador, he's learned from from performance sport that in order to keep performing well, he even he takes that back to the farm and not saying this is everyone's cup of tea, but, you know, he does 50 minutes on, 10 minutes off to mm. get more done in his day, um, which I know sounds counterproductive for a lot of people, but I've had numerous farmers where we've started to weave that into their day and whether that's getting off the quad and, and actually walking to do a job or whether that's stopping to have smoke or whatever, mm. who say, you know what, actually I've become more effective and 
productive because I'm I'm not running around like a headless chicken from the next job to the next one and and kind of being inefficient or making mistakes and things like that. Um, and just being conscious of busy times like spring and working out when you can have some downtime before or after um, so that you're just not going too long, too hard for too long because that's when we do crash and that's why my phone rings at the end of spring uh, um, more than other times sometimes because mm. people haven't come up, you know, for an year. And you've got to be practical, you mm. know, when it's busy, you just got to dig deep. But just kind of getting clever with with um, the farming calendar about when you can get time off farm so that you can keep staying productive and, and, and keep your energy and motivation so you don't, you know, um, so you don't end up getting flat on it and losing your passion. Mm. So that, oh, sorry, that was long-winded, but there was recovery. No, that, yeah, yeah that, <laughs> but no, part of that probably yeah. leads into the other ones, Angus, which is you know like yeah, having enough time for to have good connections and relationship in our life because that's probably almost number one to protect our mental well-being is, yeah. is staying connected with other people um, and making mm. that a priority. Um, you know, I had someone recently said to me, "I've just done a bit of a flip. It used to be the farm, and then everybody else." And he said, "Now it's." You know, it's family and the farm comes alongside that. And mm. and so that makes it difference when I plan things as to what my priorities are. I guess, yeah, trying to trying to be mindful of Groundhog Day and still having fresh experiences and and new and new ways to learn things um, keeps us keeps us from going stale. Mm. And um, and just time, yeah, t- using people and 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 t- that's part of the connection. But still having people that you talk to about. Um, and that you don't isolate yourself mm. um, when it's going well, but also then it means the channels are open when it's getting challenging as well, and and we know that protects us. Mm. Um, and having time off farm, you know, things away from farming to keep you fresh for farming, mm. um, it helps keep that perspective and recharge you. And I guess also reaching out and, and keeping those relationships and connections strong um, may also help another farmer or individual in turn reach out or reach back and perhaps in a time of need or just in, in general creating a greater connection and relationship with neighbours in particular. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, it's not just our family connections and things, it's it's our community connections. Mm. Uh, yeah, and it all it all helps everyone, everyone kind of just just being on the lookout and being there for other people and what goes around comes around. We've, we've seen that time and time again, I guess, when someone's been in a rough patch and people come to the party and that's sometimes a bit hard for people to accept and, and take. But then I always say to them, you know what, you can do the same thing back for someone else because now you get it um, and you know, um, you know how it is. So that becomes hugely uh, helpful for, for people to... Um, feel like they're not alone and the other people get that um, so yep mm. for sure do you think there's a disconnect between rural and urban communities um i think it depends where you are and i think it there's a bit of there is a big percep, perceive yeah perception in our rural communities that that particularly a couple of years ago it was getting really strong that that urban was against rural when they actually did some research and it sort of didn't really stack up, but there was certainly a perception about that. And I'm not saying there aren't times where that becomes noticeable because there certainly are. I've witnessed witnessed it and been privy to conversations where there's just a lack of understanding um, of the rural sector for sure. Um, But it depends on our 
depends on our uh, on our communities. I think we're more uh, we're more aware of trying to reconnect back to, almost to urban now too, because in days gone by, you know, when I was a kid, every pretty just about every Kiwi kid had some kind of exposure to a farm, whereas we don't really we don't have that now for everybody in in New Zealand. So. You know, I guess, you know, mm. as much as we can keep feeding back and saying and how it is and what's great about it and and not just the challenges, but also what's great about it, then we break that down. I do think COVID um, probably helped, you know, with that recognition, suddenly how much rural was, you know, a big foundation of our of our economy and our community. And so I think that was that was really it was one of the positives to come out of it. Yeah, and you're right. It's something that comes up time and time again. In years gone by or times gone by, everybody in a town did have a connection with a farmer or with a farm in some way or another. And that just simply is not necessarily the case anymore. There are some great programs out there uh, for getting yeah. people onto farms. And I, I think we could probably do more in that area, whether it's through uh, schools or whatever it is. But I feel we could do more to rekindle that connection um, with urban friends. Yeah. Sarah, I thank you very much for your time today. Well, that's no problem at all. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Sarah Donaldson for joining me on the show. She is another fine example of someone who is helping people in her community. Hop onto her website t-retreats.co.nz to find out more about her work and programs. Remember farmers, if you are struggling at all, need some advice or simply would like to chat to someone, pick up the phone and call the Rural Support Trust on 0800 787 254. It is free, confidential and they can truly help. Now a quick shout out to the Hiranui District Landcare Group. They are holding a waterway management workshop on Wednesday the 3rd of March from 2.30pm to 5pm in the Omahi Hall. There are some great speakers lined up who will be discussing willow control management and what rules and methods need to be considered and what help is available. They will also be covering things like erosion and flood control, weed control, planting options and what funding opportunities are out there. This will be a great afternoon with many takeaways that are designed to help and continue the good work being done by you, our farmers. Head along. That's it for me this week. Thank you for listening and catch you next time on Factor Magri.